Take a minute to thank Dr. Webb for these uh, these sessions. Everybody, give him a hand. I know. You share that with them. But again, I, I thank Dr. Webb for um, for sharing with us, and um, I love it when people come up to me and they say, "Well, I got to doing some more digging on this," and they've got three or four pages of notes that they've got on. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, Well, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to him and um, thank y'all again for being here. Okay, am I wired? Uh, it has, um, am I okay? Uh, am I okay? Uh, I, I thank you for these weeks. Um, it has been wonderful around our tables. Uh, it, um, I, I appreciate, I, I very much like what Wesley said too. It's, it's fun when when some of you have taken off and uh, decided to, to keep the trip going that you've been taking. Uh, that, uh, that's, that's always uh, fun to hear. Um, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking realizing you're being fact-checked at every step of the way. <laughs> uh, that uh, that uh, anything you say that's wrong, somebody's going to catch it somewhere and, um, and put it on the messaging machine, or I don't know what that is. But, uh, uh, but I have enjoyed it thoroughly. This is actually the third year we've gone through this in the spring. And, um, and uh, the hardest part of getting ready is trying to figure out what it's going to be. Uh, and uh, once that's worked out, everything kind of goes okay. But, uh, so I'm open to suggestions from any of you. Uh, I, I work on a lot of subjects, most of which you would not be interested in. Uh, and so I have to try to, to narrow it down a little bit to, to see if we can get something something that catches our, uh, our interest. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm conscious of time, always am. Um, uh, but um, I, I said that I would uh, tell you a few of the who I have taken to be the runners-up in our little group of uh, of uh, ten. Uh, I. I I, I thought we'd spend a little time on it, but I don't want to spend any time on them because we need the time for our other guy tonight. I don't want to shortchange that, and I would like to have the last 10 or 15 minutes so that um, with an invitation for you all to, to <coughs> respond to your characters, uh, to what we have done here. I would love to hear some feedback on uh, what you take with you from this. Uh, the people that uh, you've been surprised about, or uh, things you thought you knew that uh, now you are really not sure of. I, I, I don't know what, but I'd love to have a few minutes at the end. Let me tell you my three runners-up, and if you wish to pursue them, please do. Uh, the goal of this whole thing, and I, I hope we got this said right at the beginning, the goal of this whole thing is to show you that there are countless characters in the New Testament who are in the New Testament because of contributions they've made to the process. 
And even though they, there are not long stories about them, the stories exist and could be told. Uh, hoping that, uh, that uh, when you come onto one of those characters, you might develop an interest in who that actually is and why they are there where they appear to be. My runner's up. Uh, in, in, um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, there is reference, Paul, Philippians, we are going to talk about tonight uh, a little bit, um, uh, but uh, Philippians is an important city for Paul. You know, there, our book, our letter, Philippians, is to the church in Philippi, and it was a prominent Roman city, uh, famous for being essentially a, a Palm Springs of Macedonia. By that I, well, I, you got to be from California to know what I'm talking about. Okay. Palm Springs is the retirement capital of California. Um, I, I preached for a number of years in a small town called Hemet, at, at the church in Hemet, which was also a retirement community 50 miles out of LA. And the joke then was that all of the retirees who were heading for Palm Springs and ran out of money lived in Hemet. <laughs> so that, that was kind of the difference between the, uh, between the town. But um, um, the person who's referred to there is a person named Clement. Clement, in that verse. Uh, there's greetings given to Clement as well as to a couple of others. But Clement is a wonderful story. He's very important in the history of the early church. Uh, he was in the list of bishops of Rome number three. Number three. There are two earlier ones. We've, we've already talked about the first one. Uh, but number three was Clement. Uh, Clement is, um, is famous for bringing order to the Church of Rome. Um, uh, uh, not a pope. No popes exist there for at least 100 years after this, until the second century. Clement um, uh, comes down into history with us as the author of a letter from the Church of Rome to the Church in Corinth called First Clement. If you Google, Google first Clement, and that will show you the letter that he wrote, which is remarkably similar in some ways to Paul's first Corinthian letter. Some of the same kinds of problems that Paul was addressing, 50 years later, Clement was addressing in the church in Corinth. The letters dated the last decade of the first century, 88 to about 95, someplace along in there. Uh, Clement is one of the great stories of that other, that second generation. Another one that would be on my list is a man named Gaius, G-A-I-U-S. Now, I'm going to leave you to look up Gaius in various places. Um, one of the interesting things that causes Gaius to have a, uh, he became, becomes quite well known for uh, not a preacher, not a missionary as such, uh, but for hospitality. Uh, we find him at one point uh, with, in that famous Romans chapter 16 we talked about, that list, say hello to's. One of them is not a say hello to, but a, he also sends you greetings. And it was Gaius. And one of the interesting lines is, we are all staying at Gaius's house while we're here. Um, and we don't know the number, we don't know exactly who he's talking about. Do you know the other place that we encounter Gaius? You will enjoy reading it. 
Uh, I'm convinced it's the same person. Uh, there's a few scholars who say it can't be, but it sure sounds like it to me. Uh, in First John, no, 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 I wrote it. I, I wrote down two more, two more ones. Third John. You know, there's a First John, Second John, Third John at the end of the New Testament. Third John is a very short letter, and it's a letter of a, who appears to be the the uh, the Apostle John from Ephesus, and he writes a letter to Gaius who appears to be in the city of Corinth. Now, it's an interesting letter because the soft topic of the letter, it's only about 12, 13, 14 verses. Uh, the topic of the letter is hospitality. And he's scolding the church for not showing the hospitality to traveling preachers it should show. Okay? It's a wonderful little letter. Uh, which, which, which to me makes Gaius interesting because not only does he appear to know Peter and Paul, but he also is one of the few of these people who seems to know John firsthand. The third person I would put on my little list, and then we're going to move on, is the man named Demas. Demas. Do you know that name? Yes, you, uh, yeah, yeah, actually you do. 2 Timothy, Demas, D-E-M-A-S. It's, uh, it's generally thought to be a shortened version of the, the name Demetrius. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, right at the beginning of chapter 4, Paul, how late is, how, what, where are we in Paul's life at 2 Timothy? Huh? He writes 2 Timothy, when? In prison. Huh? In the in prison. He's in prison. What's unusual though? He seems to know what? Yeah, the end is near. Okay, this is the, I have finished the course, I have fought the good fight. I mean, it, 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 it is written clearly right at the end of Paul's life. And, um, and uh, the, the, uh, the sword of Nero seems to be swinging everywhere. Peter's going to be killed about the same time. And, and this is, Demas is the man that Paul says about it, Demas has forsaken me and left because he loved this world. Now, uh, it's, it, it, it's a classic kind of story of Demas in the sense that what, what we assume is Demas, uh, 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 clearly Demas left. All right. Um, what we don't know is what the line means because he loved this world. Um, if anybody takes a, a hard hit in the New Testament from, from the centuries of scholarship, it's Demas, um, the great deserter. Okay? Because when Paul needed him at the end of his life, Demas said, I'm leaving. And he left. As far as we know, he went back to Thessalonica, his hometown. Uh, a number of uh, stones have been found around Thessalonica that date from the period with the name Demetrius on it. Um, and one, one of the really quite prominent traditions says is that Demas was, if, if, if you had been there, and you know now that Paul's about to be killed by <coughs> Nero, and there are others around that Nero has his eye on, what would you be thinking? Do I stay or should I probably... Uh, 
Could you understand if Demas said, I'm scared to death. Do I have to stay here? Well, I happen to think Demas was very frightened. And I don't have any trouble understanding, maybe it's just me, okay? but I don't have any trouble saying, Paul, I'll be back. Good luck with this. <laughs> that sounded awful. That was flippant. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it for it to come out that way. Um, but tradition says that Demas had political ambitions and, and realized that his life was in serious danger if he stayed close by this group at the time. Uh, my inclination has been not to be so hard on Demas. But, anyway, um, I, those are ones I'd put on my list. Now, can we, let's go to the person we want to talk about, okay? Uh, the top of my list, far and away, uh, of these <coughs> wonderful people of the second century is the young man named John Mark. John Mark. A name you know well, but a story that we don't know well. And in the time that I have, it's a story that's much too long for 40 minutes. I'll do my best, but, um, but we won't get all the details in, even though the details are, are great fun to put in. I want to divide it into two parts, okay? I want to, I want to introduce you to John Mark, and, uh, and then we'll talk about, now, you know what John Mark's legacy is. Yes. It is? Mark. Mark. Mark, yes. <laughs> he ends up writing our Gospel of Mark. How, what, what better legacy could he leave us than what appears to be the first short story of the life of Jesus? Okay, that has survived time and <coughs> into immortality. Okay, the Gospel of Mark. John Mark was uh, much younger, not the same generation with Paul and Jesus. Um, you know that he was probably born. If we if we figure, we're guessing here, but you, there are so you can make some pretty good guesses. Probably born in 15, about 15 years younger than Jesus, 15 or 20 years younger than most of the disciples. When they are 30 years old, John Mark is a teenager. Okay, 15, 16, long in there. All right. He is born in the the. The city of, oh, I just thought I wrote it up there. The, the city of um, Cyrene, which is in what country? What the, uh, let me put it this way, on what continent? It's in Africa. It's on the North Africa. It's North Africa. Remember we talked about this area down here? This big Roman province? Uh, Cyrene is right there on the map. Okay? In, in what today is Libya. Okay? So it's right out there on the point. Look how easy it is to get every place. This is the long trip across here. Okay, Cyrene. Uh, of a, of a, a Jewish uh, Greek family. His father was named Aristopolis. His mother was who? You know. His mother was named Mary. Mary. His mother was Mary. We first, um, now, uh, when he's born, uh, there's, uh, uh, not long after he's born, there's great difficulty over here. And like a lot of Jewish people, they migrate. Very quickly after he's born, they migrate over here and they settle. It appears that they have two homes. Now we're talking about a well-to-do family here. 
It appears that they build a substantial house in Jerusalem, in the north, uh, north uh, quadrant of Jerusalem, and it appears that they build a summer kind of house um, up on the Sea of uh, Galilee in the, uh, around the community of Cana, which we know quite well. Uh, and uh, and uh, so that's uh, where uh, John Mark will grow up in both of those places. Um, they appear to live uh, a good part of the year in Cana, even though they have the house in Jerusalem. Now, it, it appears that uh, in about 30 or so, 25 to 30, uh, the father dies. Aristophilus dies. So when we meet Mary and John Mark, there is no father in the family. How do we meet them? We meet them in the book of Acts for the first time. <clears throat> Acts chapter 12, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, Peter, uh, before, before we go there, um, now, uh, if we start connecting dots, okay, let's, let me, the family is complicated. So, what's new about that? <laughs> but we started with the complications last week. Because last week we met the brother of Aristopolis, whose name was Barnabas. Okay? Barnabas. Uh, the connection we need to keep in mind. Let me let me let me piece the family together for you just briefly, so you get a sense of, of, of the complication. But not only that, but it, it opens a door for us. All right. Um, uh, Aristopolis, the brother of Barnabas. Barnabas's cousin is. We know from Paul. We're not guessing. His cousin is John Mark. John Mark and Barnabas are cousins. Paul tells us so in one of the references to them. Okay? Peter is married to Aristopolis's daughter. Aristopolis's daughter. Okay? Now, Aristopolis, Barnabas, cousin, Mark, Peter, but if you figure it out, they are by marriage. Mark and Peter are also related. You with me? I can tell by the look you're not. You said that John Mark's father was Aristopolis. Thank you. I just erased the right name. Aristobulus. Remember last week we talked? I knew I'd get them mixed up. I knew that, so I didn't disappoint myself. <laughs> Aristobulus is last week. Aristopolis is Mark's father. Well, those are two separate Yeah, those are two separate people. Different family names. Aristopolis is Mark. Aristopolis was Mark's father, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, here's, what Barnabas, I'm, here's what I'm telling you. Did you say Barnabas was Aristopolis's Ar no, brother? No, Aristobulus's brother, last week. That's last week. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, okay. Boy, did I get this mixed up. <laughs> start over? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you start over. <laughs> you said it's complicated. Uh, uh, here, here's the point, okay? Peter and John Mark are related. 
Okay, follow me. Peter and John Mark are related through marriage. Okay, through marriage. And it's not a first cousin, second cousin type thing. It's, it's a, it is complicated. Uh, I actually end up making myself the little drawings, you know how you can make, and put the cousins side by side. And, um, Mary, then, is a brother, is a sister to one of whose parents? Barnabas or Aristobulus. Does that make sense? To be to, for, the, for, for Barnabas and Mark to be cousins. We've got to have that. Remember, parents, uh, siblings that are parents who have children are what? Cousins. Okay, that, that's the best, probably the best way to think about it. All right? Uh, here's my point, okay? Um, who, who came into John Mark's family? Peter, through marriage. Who was at the wedding? All of Peter's family. Okay, you, you follow me? Uh, his brother, who was Andrew. Okay, now we're talking about the disciples of Jesus in this in this family. Okay. Um, so so the relations. What what's important here really is that John, Mark, and Peter. Um, there's a there's a clear tradition that indicates that after the death of Mark's father. About the same time, Peter married into the family and became Mark's godfather. Which would be very logical that he would. He's not an immediate family member, but he's somebody who's going to step into the, into the role of Mark's father. Uh, in 1 Peter, the first chapter, uh, Peter refers to Mark, opening of 1 Peter, as my dear son. Okay? And he's not talking spiritually. He's probably talking about that relationship. Okay? So, um, uh, 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 now, having said that, um, uh, Mark and Mary, uh, now I'll go back to what I said. Uh, Peter in Acts gets thrown into prison. Okay? After Pentecost and all that, remember? Um, uh, James is, um, James the apostle is killed by by um, by Herod, and then goes looking for Peter, arrest Peter. It's clear that Peter's going to be the next disciple killed. And what happens during the night? Chapter twelve. He escapes. The angel comes, opens the door, lets him out, and he's wandering in the middle of the night. And where does he go? To the house of Mary, comma, the mother of John Mark. That's what it says. You, you follow me? Did he know where to go? Yeah. And, and the reason he went there is because upstairs what was going on? They were, praying. They were having an all-night prayer meeting for Peter. You remember the great story? There was a, uh, did I tell you this, it was a wealthy family, a servant girl went to the door, yeah. named, we, it's, we have her name. What was her name? Tommy, what was her name? You know this. You know. Her name is Rhoda. Rhoda goes to the door. Okay? And, and Peter asked to be let in, and she recognized. How did she recognize his voice, you wonder? She'd heard that a lot of times before. Peter's at the door. And she goes and tells Peter, and forgets to let him in, and goes and tells him, you know, Peter's at the door. Oh, you're, 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 you're imagining things. No, Peter's at the door. And they go and let Peter in. 
and and the the room is the house is filled with people in the middle of the night. Okay? Now the the, the 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 point is when you start to think about that, how familiar is this house? Very well known. And and all of the records that we actually can piece together tell us that this house was used. Mary and John Mark's house. Father's gone. Okay? Mary and John Mark's house in Jerusalem, the north side of Jerusalem, was was used for the Last Supper, uh, where they went to the upper room. It, had, it was a large house. It had a large. It's been excavated. They think they know where the house is. Um, uh, it's been uh, uh, it has large, had a large upper room uh, that could handle a hundred people. That's a big house. Um, uh, when Jesus said, go, go and somebody will meet you, uh, the implication is he's talking about a servant that they will run into who will show them the way. Tradition says John Mark was there at the supper that night with him. Uh, probably not at the table, but uh, hovering around. Um, the second time we know the house was used was when, the, after the crucifixion, when the disciples had to find a place to hide fast because they were all frightened. And the indication in, in um, Acts is that they went back to that upper room, which they felt was safe. What was the third time they used it? After, say it, Bruce. After what? The resurrection. After the resurrection, and uh, it appears to have been the room that Jesus, that they were meeting in when Jesus appeared, and Thomas there the first time was not there, and Thomas was there the second. They appear to have been back in their room, same place. And then it appears most famously to be the room that they went to wait after the ascension, where they were told to go to Jerusalem and wait for 40 days. Remember that? And when the day of Pentecost comes, where are they? Again, in the famous upper room. What, okay. what evidence makes people, makes scholars think that uh, the, uh, the same room? The familiarity, the, the idea that, uh, that they appear to be very familiar with this place. Uh, 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 they needed a place, A, that had to fulfill certain requirements, size, a certain security to it. Um, um, uh, a closeness, uh, uh, so uh, for example, um, uh, being literally in the heart of Jerusalem where it was, uh, it, appears to, it appears to meet all the criteria for what's described. Um, there are some who say they had to know this house even before all of this, which is probably true. At least who did know the house? Who had been there? With what I said, who'd been there quite a few times? Jesus. Well, Jesus had probably been there, but we know Peter had, because the servants know him. Okay, so you can kind of you kind of put two and two together to try to get that. Uh, it's it's a uh, is it a guess? Yeah, it's a guess, but it's a pretty good guess because of the fact that uh, what they needed and what's described, it seems to fit all of the requirements. Uh, any other questions about that? That's Did you part say one. you think they found the? They think they, they think they know. Uh, uh, it was, the excavations were done, in fact, in your lifetime and mine, 
they were done in the year, two years, three years, I, I don't remember exactly now how long it took, right after the 1967 war. Remember the, 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 uh, the famous uh, war in 67? I remember that. Um, and the excavations were done in that northern part of Jerusalem uh, after that. And uh, uh, it's in a neighborhood of what, what appeared to be very large houses. So uh, which one? I don't know. I don't know how archaeologists go about that sort of thing. Uh, any, other, any other thoughts, comments? Uh, that's the first part of the Mark story, okay? Now, uh, you're aware that the, the question I want to ask with you is this. If, if, if Mark, if all of this is going on in this house, how well does Mark know all of these people? How well does he know the disciples? How well does he know, uh, I mean, how many people gathered at Pente for Pentecost to wait? I mean, it must have been a packed room. But we're told in the neighborhood of 120 people. We're in that group. Um, uh, since Mark, it's Mark's house, is Mark uh, helping out? Of course he is. Of course he is. Uh, now there are two things as we pursue the story a little farther. There's two things that we have to keep in mind that create problems in studying the text. Um, one of the problems is is the <coughs> is the problem of time. Because uh, in, in these short documents, by that I mean the Gospels, in these short documents, you, we, we're going to get, Acts is famous for this too, you're going to get, and then he went over here. And, and, and then he went over here. Now, when you read that, it sounds like, okay, so he went over there for an hour and then went there. When in fact, he went over here, stayed two years, and then went over there. But the two years is missing uh, from, from that. And, and that's one of the things that makes a, a, a life, when we're looking at a lifetime, kind of hard to, to piece together. We can kind of say, well, he went there because it says so, and he went there when he says so. But what we don't know is the length of time he stayed in point A before he went to point B. And not only that, but we don't know what happened during that time. So we have to keep that in mind as we kind of tackle the life of Mark. Others too, but Mark is a good example of it. The second thing we have to realize is that because of and that same kind of thing, because of the time, the age of a person is always important. We are not the same people at 15. We are at 30 or at 45. Or heaven forbid, it's 73. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so we have to know how old somebody is when that's going on. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? And, and, and that's a problem. Because we are used to thinking of Mark during this whole story. Um, and, and, you know, the, the truth is we've got half the story of Mark. We're missing the other half. I'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in just a second. But we tend to think that when Mark is doing all of this stuff, he must be a boy. And we think of him as a boy. Uh, not realizing that when we get into the story, Mark is not a boy. Now, Mark is not the age of the other adults around, but, but um, uh, the only time we get stories of Mark as a boy are, are in the life of Jesus. 
And you know that famous little bit that uh, is in the Gospel of Mark about um, uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane? You've, you've heard that. Um, what was the little tidbit in the Garden of Gethsemane that had nothing to do with the story? Yes, sir. You got caught. Huh? We got caught. Who got caught? Mark. Somebody did. Somebody did. Yeah. Uh, he actually got right away. He actually got away. But he didn't get away with his clothes. He, uh, there's that little thing about that the, there was a teenage boy in the garden with him, watching everything going on. And, uh, and, and uh, when all the commotion with Peter trying to split the guy's head in half with his sword was going on, the boy tried to run and got caught, it appears. And they got his clothes, but he got away. And we're never told who that is. And who do scholars believe that was? It was John Mark. Well, he's probably, the question is, how old is he? Well, if, if, the, if we figure the years right, he's a teenager. He's 15, 14, 15 years old when that happens. And, and so from there, we then begin to skip ahead as he gets older very quickly. Now, um, in all of the people in John Mark's life, until we get to after the life of Jesus, um, uh, the, the beginning of the church, uh, the most influential in my judgment is Peter. Peter is his relative. Peter is his, um, if, we, if we can believe it at all, and I don't have any trouble believing it, is a godfather figure to him. Um, uh, the chances are that, um, uh, and, and here's, here's the next thing that, that scholars tell us about this. We do know, there's, there's evidence in the New Testament itself that after Peter was released from prison, we just talked about, and obviously, um, they tried hard to find Peter the next day or two. Okay? Uh, in fact, when they couldn't find him, what did Herod do? That's always been a shocker to me. What did Herod do when they couldn't find Peter? Well, he had the Roman executioners ex executed. The Roman jailers were all executed for not finding Peter. Now, if that doesn't tell you this was serious stuff, okay? not finding him. And it does appear that Peter had escaped from town and had decided to go on a, a little missionary trip of his own. He, he, in effect, fled. And the indication is that he took with him John Mark. That Paul's mission trip with John Mark was not his first, it was his second. His first one was with Peter. Now, uh, I, I, the question is, so where did Peter go? Well, if you read the book of 1 Peter, which is in your New Testament, the opening of the book seems to tell us that Peter knew a group of people out in Asia Minor. Uh, turn, turn to that. I want you to have a look at that. I don't usually say that to you, but I'd like for you to see that, okay? Because it appears that Peter left Jerusalem, took off across here, probably by land, and went through this area that Paul would later follow into, which may account for why there are some churches already here ahead of Paul. You see that first verse or two? What's it say? Yeah, see the list? See the list of places? Now, uh, the indication is that Peter does what? He knows those people. He knows people like Okay. He's, uh, he's been in those groups. And then when you get down a little farther, this is also the end of this letter where he says, 
And John Mark sends his hellos to you too. Myself. Okay? Meaning what? The chances are they not only knew Peter, but they knew John Mark. Okay? Now that's, um, Michael, that's the kind of thing we, those little tidbits like that are the kind of thing that we try to use as, as kind of markers in, in making a judgment. Uh, because he, if you say that Mark wasn't along, that wouldn't mean anything to him. And so it does appear that Mark was on that trip. It appears to be a trip that took about a year and a half, which may be as long as Peter thought he could be away and nobody notices, or, or until they don't notice, that sort of thing. Um, and now, that's important, because while they're taking that year and a half together, how much talking are they doing? You're in a half And when you got long nights and no TV, talking can get real. Okay, you know, uh, uh, and so what's the, what does uh, what what do they talk about? What would John Mark like to know? What would Peter like to talk about? All about Jesus. All about Jesus. All about Jesus. It's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, the intimacies of this are going to become overwhelming. Okay? How much is John Mark going to learn about uh, Peter's take on Jesus? You, you follow what I'm saying? Um, so so uh, uh, this trip uh, becomes really important. Okay? The letter First Peter appears to have been written very quickly after they take the trip because Peter now is writing back to say hello to everybody and reiterate in the letter what? Huh? Uh, more than greeting so. If you read the letter, it's filled with his filled with his sermons. That's what it's filled with. Okay? In other words, where Peter is going to preach. Now remember from Acts, Peter is no stranger to preaching. Okay? Pentecost, remember? Okay? Peter's good at this. And he takes, uh, he, he in effect writes them a kind of, let me summarize what I tried to say to you all while I was there. And that's what we get in, in the, the letter. Read the letter somewhat. Just, uh, it's a, it's a, um, I'm, I'm convinced Mark helped him write the letter uh, after he got back. I don't think Peter could write that well. Um, I think he knew all that stuff. But it is a masterpiece of writing, okay? Or the way that uh, you will find many very familiar things in First Peter. Okay? The devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why do you okay? think things like that? Mark was a better writer than Peter uh, because of the gospel. What we know is this, um, and scholars are almost universally agreed that what Mark gives us is a is a is Peter's story of Christ. Peter's story. Peter didn't write a gospel. He didn't need to. Why? Because he told it to Mark. And Mark wrote it. Now, how much does Mark know himself? A lot. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, so it's not just Peter. It's, it's probably two-thirds Peter and one-third Mark. Okay. Uh, so so uh, uh, the, the gospel is what comes together. Now, I've got one or two or three other things I wanted to say, and then we'll have to stop. Um, the most famous story of John Mark in the book of Acts is the story of the first missionary journey. Now, we haven't even brought Barnabas. You see what I mean? With three hours, we get warmed up on this stuff. Um, but um, 
uh, uh, Barnabas is the one who, as the church begins to form, uh, goes off and finds, remember when the, the Christians in Jerusalem are scared that, you know, Saul's coming back. Uh, who is it that, uh, who is it that vouches for him? Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas says, I'll vouch for him, and uh, kind of gets the door open. And not only that, but then when he goes back to Antioch, and the Antioch church gets going, <coughs> Barnabas does something else. What does he do? Well, he goes off to Tarsus to find Saul and bring Saul into Antioch. And it's about that time. Now, here's where that problem of time, where a couple of years is going to go by, and we're not going to, we're going to miss that couple of years, okay? Because this, this, there are time stretches between this stuff, okay? But it's time, and it starts for us in Acts 13. Barnabas and Saul are set aside to go on a missionary trip, okay? The first of their three, they're going to cut across here, come up and travel this way before they, they make the trip back. Who goes, Barnabas and Saul, and who goes along with them? John Mark. John Mark. John Mark, uh, John Mark gets, um, gets out about the third or fourth stop and does what? He, he turns he goes around, goes right here, and he turns around and goes home. Okay. Now the question is, how old is John Mark? Now we sometimes think we got a boy on our hands here who's just not not handling this well, but we we don't have that. The year is forty-seven or forty-eight. How old is he? He is in his late twenties and probably early thirties. We're not talking about a boy. We're talking about an extremely well-educated young man. Okay, you follow that? So, his going back is not because I'm getting seasick. No, 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 no. Something else is going on. Now, the, reason, the other reason we know that is because um, when it comes time to go on the second trip, Barnabas says what? Mark, I'd like to go with us. Paul says? No, it's actually, the, the, Greek, the, uh, the Greek translation is over my dead body. <laughs> a little loose, but that's basically what it says. Uh, how, how bad does their quarrel get? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Barnabas finally says, if he's not going, I'm not going. No, he's, don't forget that Barnabas is the wealthy one. Barnabas is probably bankrolling the trip. And Paul says, then you're not going. And Barnabas takes, this is where we lose Mark in the story. Mark and Barnabas go Barnabas. to Cyprus. We can pick it up, but we don't have it in the New Testament. And Paul finds a new partner, Silas, and off they go. Paul and Silas, and that's yes. okay? Now, my friends, my question has been this, and, and this is a great debate among scholars. Um, why? Did Paul react the way he did? Is he a bad person? Is he unforgiving? Is he, is he, does he not believe in second chances? Well, that has never made sense to me. Never. Uh, now, I think Paul has a crusty edge. But a crusty edge, Barnabas could work through. Um, you know, okay, Barnabas, give him a good talking to. We'll throw him overboard if he starts to do that stuff again. Or I, I don't care what you say. You, you, you don't say no. And, and, the, and so I have puzzled over that. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
because I've never read it any place, I've come up with my own answer to that question, which I'm going to write down here before long. Okay? And the question that has never been, and part of the reason is, we've tended to think that this is a boy on the trip. The minute you make him a 32-year-old adult, well-educated, very into this Christian stuff, you make a different situation. Look at it this way. His major influence in all of his Christian development was what person? Peter. 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 He had lived with Peter. He had traveled with Peter. He knew Peter. He had listened to sermon after sermon after sermon of Peter. And Peter had one message. And that message got him in trouble a little later than this. And the message was, in order to be Christian, you have to become a Jew first. Remember that debate that's going to come up at Jerusalem after this trip? So when he gets out and starts listening to this, when, when Mark gets out on that first trip and starts listening to the sermons of Paul, Saul still, what does he hear in the sermons? He hears the opposite of what he was, had been trained on by Peter. You follow me? And, and we don't, we're not told enough to know whose idea this was that maybe he should go back. Doesn't say. I think he left because he was very unhappy with what Paul was saying. Because it didn't square with what he had been trained on by Peter. So when it comes time to go back, um, all Paul can hear is, if Mark comes, what's going to happen now? He's going to be in a position to undermine everything I want to say. And not only that, he's going to get a little group aside and say, well, now that's only one opinion. Let me tell you what the great apostle Peter says. How would Paul feel about that? <laughs> oh, my dead body. Over my dead body. What I'm saying to you is, now that makes sense to me. That he would be absolutely ferocious in his refusal to take Mark because he and Mark were not seeing this Christian enterprise at all in the same way. What would Barnabas have to say well, uh, Barnabas, uh, if he's, uh, you know, they're cousins, so Barnabas is going to defend him. Well, he's probably changed, or this or that, but it's, it, it's probably not going to cut it very well with Paul, who's going to feel, I think, that, that everything we're trying to do, and remember, Paul uses his mission, what? Gentiles. Yeah, to make sure that the door is open to Gentile conduct. <coughs> And, and Peter, while we've had the Cornelius experience, Peter is not, takes Peter a while to get sold on this. Um, I think he does, but, but, um, uh, but I think there's a problem here. So my take on this is the only way, this is, this is just me talking, um, the only way that you can account for Paul's sheer adamance about not taking him along. Now remember, we're not talking about taking a boy along on a trip. We're talking about taking an adult along with us. 
who's a, who appears to be a pretty, a, a pretty strong adult in his own mind, and not only that, but has been, has known, uh, what, what advantages did Mark have over, over Paul? He was more educated, probably. Huh? He was probably more educated. Well, in what way? Who did he know? Peter. Jesus. Peter. He was more Jesus. Not, only, not only Peter. Jesus. He'd been with Jesus how many times? We don't even know how many times. Um, um, Paul, let me tell you what Jesus said. Okay. What's that got to do with anything? You, you, you see, the we, we're almost setting up a, a very difficult relationship here between them. And Paul appears to have, in my judgment, Paul appears to have recognized that, which he didn't at first, which he didn't at first, on the first trip. But I think he did later. I, t I think it probably came up on the, as the first trip started. Enough signs of it that Paul got scared and was probably a part of, yes, you should go back. Um, but anyway. Um, at what point did, did Peter change his... I, about we, Gentiles. We would, uh, it, it become, it's gradual, I think. Dr. Lamb, it would be gradual, wouldn't it? I think it was gradual if he ended up in Rome. It's yeah, oh yeah. Because yeah. he yeah. Uh, went to the center of the Gentile world. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it, it, it happens over time. Uh, you read the story of him and the centurion, the Roman centurion. You, you remember that story where, the, where he has the vision? Peter falls asleep on top of the house while they're at the... Cornelius's house, and the vision comes down with the sheet, you know, Peter kill, kill and eat, and Peter goes, oh, no, 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 no. And uh, finally, at the end of that, Peter says, God really isn't a respecter of persons. But had it sunk in yet? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Takes a long time for that to happen. Anyway, that's my take on that story with Mark, as, a, as an adult, as an adult, not as a, not as a child. Well, what happens is this. We lose Mark, okay, from, from that point, which is about 48 uh, until 60. There's about a 13-year period where Mark does not appear in the New Testament. Now, briefly, we know what happens to Mark. Uh, he goes where? He and Barnabas uh, uh, start by going to Cyprus, right here, where, where um, uh, even though uh, Mark was born over here, Cyprus is here, they are relatives. There, there's a relationship, which isn't unusual. Okay? And um, so they go here. Uh, Barnabas will spend most of his life there. Uh, but what happens is that Mark, instead of staying here or here, makes his home here. Mark goes in about 44 to Alexandria, back to Egypt. Um, and if you Google Mark and Alexandria, you'll see that most of Mark's life was spent there. Um, he became the bishop of Alexandria. He didn't live all of it. I'm going to take, take you one more place. Okay? Because um, what he does about um, uh, 56, 7, 8, right along in there, after, after about 8 or 10 years here, he gets word that, uh, that, his, that Peter... As, uh, and by the way, on that uh, on that early trip, uh, which uh, the date of which is about 42 to 44, they did get to Rome, okay, before they turned around and came back. But that Peter is t is taken to Rome, um, uh, uh, 
after about 60, both Peter and Paul appeared to be in Rome at the same time. Now, uh, remember 10, 10, 12 years have passed, okay? Um, and, and Mark, when, when he gets rid of this, it appears that Mark leaves Alexandria and goes to Rome to be with, with Peter. But all of the indications are that, that um, Mark uh, kind of engineers a, 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 uh, a coming together of Peter and Paul. They're both there. They're both going to be martyred almost at the same time by the same, by Nero. Uh, we don't know for sure all the details. First Clement actually tells us they're both there. Remember Clement, okay, who becomes the bishop of Rome during this time? He tells us that they're both there at the same time. Uh, Mark comes to visit uh, to try to see Peter through it. It's at this point that he is persuaded. Some of the early church fathers, 50 years after this, give us these stories. Now, they're pretty good stories because they're close. That what happens with Peter there is that Mark and Peter kind of finish. Mark writes his gospel during that time. In the early to mid-60s. While Peter is still alive. By 67, they're both dead. Uh, Peter and Paul. But, but Mark writes his gospel. Now, granted, he's been working on material now for how long? Well, since that first trip that he and Peter took. Have they seen each other since? Probably. <coughs> We're not sure. Okay. But during that time in Rome, uh, Peter finishes the story. They go through. They work it out. Um, the influence of Paul is all over it because it's a, his gospel is about the cross. It's sort of like what some scholars describe as a, as a uh, long passion narrative with an introduction. Uh, which is not a bad description of the Gospel of Mark. You know it's short. Okay? It's shortest of the Gospel. Probably the first of them written. Um, and what happens is this. We, we know this uh, quite well. And that is that Mark, when the Gospel is finally finished, he returns to Alexandria. It's in Alexandria where copies begin to be made of Mark's Gospel. And he founds the church in Alexandria with his own Gospel. And in 68... Um, a large Jewish population in Alexandria becomes fed up with this new church and uh, they take Mark who by now is how old? In late 68 would make him about if we put him at 15 early 50s? Is that about right? About 50. Uh, the stories are pretty clear in the martyrology materials that um, Mark was um, uh, viewed as the, as the ringleader of this growing church of Alexandria. And he is uh, he's tied to a horse and on three consecutive days is dragged through Alexandria until there is virtually nothing left of his body. Uh, one of the worst of all of the stories of uh, martyrdom was John Marks. Um, I can't read the Gospel of Mark without thinking. I wonder, was this Peter talking, or was this, which one was this? How did they do this? That's a grand story. Of, did the Romans kill him, or did the Jews? Uh, the Jews killed him, sort of like Jesus, like, like they did Jesus. Uh, because this, remember I told you that, that one of the strongest Jewish communities, biggest and strongest, 
during this time is in Alexandria. We saw that with Apollos. Um, uh, he's very much about Apollos' age. Apollos is gone. Apollos doesn't go back like Mark does. Uh, Mark becomes the patron, the, the, the great uh, early patriarch of the, of the Christian faith. The Coptic Church is what it came to be called. Still is today. Um, uh, that group that was uh, murdered uh, not long ago uh, by the ISIS group were a group of Coptic Christians. Those are Christians of the Alexandrian variety, uh, from which John, for which John Mark was the founding, the founding saint. Uh, can can we take a few minutes so you can? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. I want you to go over every single person. <laughs> I don't mean. <laughs> I've got. I don't people. remember. <laughs> I've got a bunch of names, and I don't. I think they're all on there, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, we started with Timothy and Titus. Now, some of you have to have this down. Uh, I'm not going to remember the date. Uh, we did the two girls one day. Uh, Priscilla and Phoebe. Um, uh, Rufus, the, the Roman family. Rufus, uh, uh, Linus, and uh, Claudia one night. And Apollos, and who did we do with Apollos? Uh, somebody with Apollos. Junior. 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 We did Junior with Apollos. That's right. That's right. And last week we did, uh, we did, oh my goodness. Well, that was last week. Huh? Aristobulus. Oh, that's who it was. Thank you. Yes, Aristobulus. Aristobulus. And uh, somebody else. Please. Uh, Somebody like uh, Onesimus was not. Somebody like, um, um, yeah, there, there, was, there were a, a number of others. There are some we could have put in our list, which who are quite good, that we haven't actually talked about either, that, were, that are not Jewish, that, that are Gentiles. Um, but, uh, but most of it is Judaism. We're still, in, we're still less than 50 years away from Jesus. That's, it's in, that's, so yes, it is. And, and the, the attacks on Judaism, are, or, or I should say the Ju Judy, Judaic attacks on the rise of Christianity in, in, the, in the midst and surrounding areas, you know, is, is setting fires everywhere. We see the beginning of that in Acts, but it gets bigger. In, in the second half of the first century, Nero was yeah. persecuted. Nero was persecuted <coughs> lots of people. Was he, 
but he wasn't singling out Christians. Was Christianity at that point substantial enough oh, yeah. that he could have? Oh yes, yeah. 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 no, no, no. he, uh, uh, you know, he famously, as Josephus describes in great detail, who's not a Christian or a Jew either one, uh, but uh, Josephus describes the fact that uh, that uh, that the Christians were driving Nero nuts. And, and he set fire to the city so he could probably rebuild the city, but also blame it on the Christians, which Josephus says he did royally. Tacitus. Yeah, yeah, Tacitus goes into all of that. Uh, another Roman historian. Um, uh, Nero, the Christians were, were, were so, becoming so powerful. And of course in Rome, you know, it's not, it's not coincidental, Rome's gonna become the big, the big center because so much of this is going on in Rome. And then when you, when, you, when you take major leaders of the church, like Peter and Paul and others, and, and they become martyrs, I mean, the, the martyr blood itself is going to be a, a powerful, positive influence, which it was. Well, were they in Rome because of their Jewishness, or were they, or were they in Rome to spread Christianity? Uh, it's probably both, because remember, uh, when, when Jerusalem, by 65 or 66, all of Palestine is, a, is ablaze, okay? and the Jews are blaming the Christians over here, because now the Romans have come in, and you know, the, 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 the uh, Jewish rebellion against the Romans is going to get, and, and so what happens is, this is going to decline in importance because they're, these the Christians and, and many Jews are going to flee. And so they head up into these areas. A lot of them do go over into here. Yeah, they do. Um, so it's probably both. Um, it, it is sort of like uh, a major city would today would, why do we go to the city? Because it's dangerous? No, because it's such a big place we can get lost. Nobody will pay any attention to us. There's a different, yeah, there's, there's a different, I mean, it's a different mood, um, you know, and, and, and I, think that's the, I think that was the draw of cities like Corinth and, um, uh, and, uh, and Rome in particular, but, but uh, cities of, the great cities of Greece, this became a very big center, this became a big center here, and then they got the big one down here. Those are the, those are the centers, okay? Those are the big metropolitan areas where this is going to really take root. Yeah. Go ahead, Melissa. Did they uh, did they emphasize like the Jewish uh, religion did education for the Christians? Absolutely. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Paul Paul made Paul's letters did as much to do that as anything. They were literate. They were uh, they were widely read. Um, education became a big thing. Now, again, these people, many of them, uh, as you can see with Mark and Apollos and so forth, they're educated as Jews. Uh, Apollos, you know, rep reputedly knew the Jewish scriptures better than most of the rabbis. Um, remember the line that uh, we get in Acts, you know, learned in the scriptures. That's a pretty strong sentence. And, and, and while there are no educational places for them, you know, there's a lot of Jewish educational places, but none for the Christians. It's not going to take long. It's not going to take too long. It's going to take a hundred years, which in that time span is not not very long. Yeah. Uh, uh, other comments? Uh, 
what do you take with you? What uh, what kind of thing um, uh, uh, kind of rides on your on your mind that might be worth hanging on to? I enjoy the way it tied in with British Christianity. You like the British connections, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you want to know anything about those connections, see John. Not me. He knows more about it than I do. Good work. Uh, other, what are other thoughts that you might share? Well, I'm thankful for the Bible. Thank you, huh? Me too. I'm sorry, that's... And I, be I believe we haven't begun to study it yet. Uh, I think there's a lot more for us to dig into there. Um, I, I, uh, I honestly believe that. I, I, I believe we have, we're, we still work at a, um, at a vacation Bible school level. And um, that, uh, that we are all ten times smarter about many other things than we are about the Bible. Um, I don't think that's something to be particularly proud of. Um, and, um, so uh, I, I, while this appears like, um, I, I have days when I fear that we're, we're into Bible trivia. But then the other part of me says, Shut up, that's not true. Uh, so I, I um, uh, but uh, I'm interested in what your thoughts might be sometime, if you would, uh, would share me the, what you were going to say. Uh, I was going to say two things, maybe. One is your uh, challenge at the outset, not to just read over a name anymore. I'm going to quit doing that and <laughs> chase the name back a little bit Very as I have time. And if I may, could I tell Roger where he can go read about uh, Nero burning the Christians Absolutely. in the garden? Absolutely. Tacitus, a Roman historian that was contemporary with Nero, is the only non-biblical extant place that mentions the name Jesus Christos. And he says, and he feared for his own life, but he <coughs> said that Nero, to illuminate his gardens, where all the prostitution and all those things went on, that he burned the Christians because he hated them. And he goes on, I think it's in Annal 15, that he says that because of the Christians spread, that this thing came to Rome where all things hideous and shameful find their way. And that Nero fixed the blame on the Christians and burned them. And that's what the Roman historian says. Wonderful, wonderful, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, any other comments? Thank you, thank you. Oh, I have to say, everybody knows what I'm going to say. I love the fact that the women that you emphasize were super important and their stories have been plotted out. And I appreciate the fact that they, they're all there. There's a, there's a number of others who don't play quite the role that uh, the three or four that we did talk about. But um, uh, but I, I share that with you. I really do. Um, I'm a full believer that uh, that uh, Priscilla wrote Hebrews. I, I, every every indication to me that I see. Something. I've decided to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Jess I want to say thank you for making these people real and, and uh, people that we can relate to. This is something that 
always very difficult with the timeline, but they're the same as us. They did the same things that we did, and it's hard to see that sometimes. Make the same mistakes make. we make. Make the same mistakes. They have the same feelings fears and worries yeah. that we have and everything. And, and, uh, the, um, that you. makes it that makes it really special and, and able to understand. Um, let's have prayer together so that we can uh, move on. Dear God, you have spoken to us in these holy these holy pages so remarkably. It's a treasure that uh, in our lifetimes we never even come close to fully appreciating. Your voice, your hand, your people. We are here because of them. One right after another, all down through history. And we are the last link. And now, dear God, as we all in this room begin to realize that we must pass it along to those who come after us. Fill our hearts with a desire to learn and to know to the fullest of our mental and emotional abilities. Help us as we search. Thank you for these Christian saints who have gathered these weeks so faithfully to talk and to share and as we grow together. Bless our church. Bless us in our new beginning. May we richly serve you and serve this wonderful community of which we are all a part. In the name of Christ, who has redeemed us and saved us for eternity, we pray. Amen. Amen.